to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. It's great to be together. It's great to be in God's house today. And I um, want to say, uh, uh, you know, what a great week we're having uh, in the sense of last week we had Vision Sunday in church and we announced that in five weeks' time on Easter Sunday, we are, will not be one church in three campuses, we'll be one church in five campuses because the Hub Church in Stocksbridge and Rotherham is becoming uh, Icon Church in Stocksbridge and Rotherham. And so we've been working behind the scenes, I've been working behind the scenes and a few others uh, for around a year now and uh, obviously now all that work kind of funnels into a lot of work in these next five weeks to make that happen and I've got meetings tomorrow and Tuesday uh, uh, as well just to make sure that happens. But I'm so thrilled about God's word today because I think uh, God is good and I, you know, what I love about sharing God's word is that it doesn't depend on my intelligence, it doesn't depend on my skill to craft a message because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need and what I need. And so he can take my words, he can take some of the thoughts, he can take the ideas and he can share with you and speak to you and give you exactly what you need. And I'm okay with that. In fact, that's the title of my message today. It's I'm okay with that. I'm going to read some verses from 1 Samuel chapter 14 in a second. And uh, I'm going to set the scene first of all. And the scene is a battle. The scene is a battle um, that's going on again between the Philistines and the armies of Israel uh, at that time. And, and in this season, the Philistines have got all the power. Um, in fact, chapter 13, I think, tells us that the Philistines did whatever they wanted in Israel. In other words, they had so much powerful, they could just decide, we'll do this or we'll do that. They did whatever they wanted. You know, God gives people power, but power should always serve But throughout history, we've seen people with power oppress. And this was no different. The powerful Philistines are oppressing the weakened Israelites, uh, the weakened people and the weakened armies of Israel. In fact, Israel had no weapons. The Philistines had come in and, and they'd killed all the blacksmiths in Israel. And I guess blacksmith is kind of just a normal occupation. And sometimes we can feel that our gifts, our talents... Our contribution is irrelevant or menial. But imagine what Israel in this moment of battle would have given for some blacksmiths. And they didn't have any blacksmiths. And you and I can feel that what we've got to give is is irrelevant, it's small, it's insignificant. But we should never say that because actually it's only insignificant when it's unnoticed. But there are seasons and times in life when all of our contributions are really important. In this story that we're going to jump into, Saul, the king, has only got 600 men. He actually chose 3,000 men to fight, but somewhere 2,400 have got lost. They've not died, they're just missing. And uh, they fled uh, probably in fear and lost courage at this time. And the people of Israel are trapped. The odds are against them hugely, not just because of the numbers of battle, of warriors, of soldiers, in the army, but also because their spirit is oppressed. Their weapons 
and their technology is, is terrible compared to the Israelites. As I've said, they had hardly any weapons because there were no blacksmiths. And the Philistines also had the high terrain. They had the high ground. And therefore, everything is stacked against them. And that's where we pick this story up. It's a story about Saul's son, Jonathan, and his armor bearer. It says this, 23 of chapter 13, and then we'll get into 14. It says, a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Hahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas. I'm doing better than I did in the first service. The son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sene. One cliff stood to the north and the other to the south. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many, 600, the whole army, or by few, me or you. Do all that you've got in your mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then, we'll cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait here, wait there until we come down to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Jonathan is the king's son, Saul's son. And like every other officer in the army, he had an armor bearer. Uh, The officers, or some of the officers, were probably still the only people left who had weapons at this point. Everyone else just had tools from the garden shed that they tried their best to sharpen with rocks. And what I love about this story is that it speaks into situations and circumstances that all of us experience in life. It speaks to feelings that we've all had, or we all have at some point in life. Because we've all felt powerless, right, at some point in our life. We've all felt weak. I know I have. Everyone has felt trapped in some circumstance or some situation. I've felt the odds at times stacked against me, haven't you? You know, sometimes I've thought, I'm not like that person. If I was only like that person, then I'd have an advantage, but I'm at a disadvantage. The odds are stacked against me. I don't have the resources. I'm not as clever as that person. 
<clears throat> I don't have their grades, their results. I don't have their skill, their ability. I felt distressed and debilitated. And just like the Israelite army and the Israelite people in this story, there's times I've lost my spirit. And I know there's times you will have lost your spirit too. But in the midst of this, Jonathan does not give in. And his armor bearer, which is, this is the gold in this story, his armor bearer supports his resilience. You see, the conversation could have gone very differently. The conversation could have gone like this. Jonathan, to his armor bearer, what do you think? And the armor bearer said, let's not do it. There's no hope. Have you met people like that? Don't nudge them if they're sat next to you. Jonathan could have said, but what if we do this? What if we do this? He could have had some idea, some thought about how to act and what to do. And the armor bearer could have said, well, there's no point. There's no hope. There's no point. You know, there's nothing we can do. Jonathan might have said to his armor bearer, can you think of a way out of this? And the armor bearer say no. And then told him a story, something like, in fact, my uncle had the very same thing, situation, and we know what happened to him. I tell that story because I, <laughs> I remember getting sick once and, and uh, being quite ill and somebody saying to me, oh, my uncle got that sickness and he died, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Sandpaper. Um, uh, and so on. We, we've all met people like that, haven't we? <clears throat> Jonathan could have said to his armor bearer, well, what about God? What about if we trust God? Do you think he will save us? And the armor bearer could have said, I don't even think God can do anything in this situation. But you know, that conversation did not go like that. Because Jonathan and his armor bearer, he faced the facts. He faced their situation. And his response was, their response was, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. They faced the fact that they were powerless and weak. They faced the fact that they were oppressed. And their response, I'm okay with that. They faced the fact that they had no weapons as an army to speak of. Jonathan had weapons and his armor bearer seems to have a weapon too. But the armies didn't have any weapons. And their response, I'm okay with that. They faced the fact that they were outnumbered massively. They were actually outnumbered when Saul had 3,000. And now he's only got 600. The odds are not in their favor. And their response, I'm okay with that. They faced the fact that they'd lost their spirit that they felt sick to the stomach, that they felt depressed (coughs) and distressed. And their response, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that is not an admission of defeat. It's a statement of faith. You know, recently we had our leaders retreat. Every February half term, we actually go away and (coughs) go to a retreat and take some of our leaders just for a couple of days and just spend time in prayer, just spend time seeking God. For the year ahead. And one of the things I shared at that leaders retreat was this thought that we have to steward well the season we're in whilst preparing for the season ahead. Because we believe as a church, the best is yet to come. We believe God has more for us. We believe that for us as a church, but we also believe that for individuals that God has more for us. And I don't know about you, but I get excited about the season ahead and I want to jump ahead. I want to fast forward, don't you, to the season ahead for what God's got for me. When I'm sick, I want to fast forward to when I'm going to be well. But you know, Jesus teaches us to steward well the season we are in while we're believing and praying for the season ahead. 
You see, I'm okay with that is not resignation. I'm okay with that is a determination. I'm okay with that is not settling for less. I'm okay with that is believing for more. This might be the circumstance. This might be the situation. I'm okay with that. But it's not an admission of defeat. It's a belief that there's another day ahead. I'm okay with that is not a sign of hopelessness. I'm okay is a cry (coughs) of God's with me, for me. And he's got this. When I say I'm okay with that, I'm reminding myself, I may not have seen this coming, but God knew. But God knew before the foundation of the world. I'm reminding myself that this might be not my choice. It might not be my preferred option, but nothing is wasted by God. And even if God doesn't send it, he will use it. Even if this didn't come from God, God will use it and turn it around. He'll take it and he'll turn it for good. Do you believe that? I'm okay with that is a reminder that this, this isn't what I asked for. God, this isn't what I've been praying for. This isn't what I asked for. But the God who loves me is still listening. I may not have asked for this, but the God who loves me is still listening. And he's still hearing what I have to say. And when I say I'm okay with that, I'm reminding myself that there has to be a way. And I found so many times in my life and in our life, Jeannie and myself and our family and in our church, that we've come up against situation and we thought we've been trapped and the odds are against us. And we've been in situations, we thought, how do we get through this? And we've said to one another, there has to be a way because God's got a way for us. So let me show you where Jonathan had this attitude before we move on. It's in verse 6 of chapter 14. I'll read it from the screen. It says this, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer. That's all we know, by the way, about this armor bearer. He's a young guy. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many, the whole army, or a few, me and you. I love this. Because Jonathan knows the situation, and he's just got this plan. Let's, let's step out. Let's try this. Let's do something. And he says, perhaps God will move on our behalf. Because Jonathan knows that if this isn't the thing, this could be the thing that leads to the thing. He's okay with, in this situation, just being able to say, I'm okay with this. Perhaps the Lord will save. I want to share some thoughts and I believe God is going to speak to us through three things that we need to be okay with at times in all of our lives. And some of these may speak to you today, but I know they'll speak to all of us at seasons and times in our life. Here's the first thing. We need at times to be okay with uncertainty, with uncertainty. Perhaps the Lord will act, Jonathan says. He doesn't say, God has told me. He doesn't say, we'll certainly do this. He just says, maybe. He he doesn't say, here's what's going to happen. He just says, perhaps. He's okay with uncertainty. I don't know about you, I don't like uncertainty, do you? I really don't like uncertainty. But I think at times, unless we become okay with uncertainty, we'll never do anything. We'll never step out into what God wants for us. 
Don't get me wrong, I believe it's right to plan, to strategize, to have forecasts. And I believe to some degree, Jonathan had those. But he was also okay with perhaps. He was okay with, let's see what God will do if we do this. You know, when we started 33 years ago, Icon Church... We, uh, we had some opportunities, I haven't got time to go into them, and some, some offers to move into different places. And we felt God call us to Chesterfield to start a church that's now Icon Church. And we didn't really know what to do. We didn't know how to get started. What do you do? What do, you do? So we put a little advertisement in the Chesterfield Gazette. It was actually the smallest advert you were allowed, the smallest number of words that you could use at that time. Um, because it's all we could afford. And it was in the Chesterfield Gazette, which now doesn't exist, and not the Chesterfield Advertiser, because the Gazette was cheaper. And we just put a little advertisement in the Chesterfield Gazette, and we had one telephone call. That's all. Just a new church is starting, you know, padded out as many words as we could, just the minimum number of words, and a telephone number. And we had one phone call. That's all as a result. And that one family joined our church on the back of that advertisement. But we knew we were away. We knew we'd started. We knew that God was responding to us. But we were okay with perhaps. You know, if nobody had have rung, we'd have tried something else. If nobody had have called, we'd have done something else. There's been lots of times in our lives where we've tried things and we've done things and we've stepped out into things and they've not worked the way what we've thought and we're okay with that because we know that we're, there's, we can pivot, yeah? And we can switch and we can move some, somewhere else because we're okay and we need to be okay with we'll play our part and we'll trust God to do his part. Jonathan didn't have the detail, you know, Uh, of what would happen but he knew one thing in verse 6 at the end of verse 6 again it says this that nothing can hinder the Lord from acting whether by many or by few you see he was certain of one thing if this this may work this may fail but God won't fail us our idea might not be the right one but God's our the right God Our thoughts may not get us on the right path, but God will still direct us and call us. God may not answer this prayer the way that we're asking Him to answer this prayer, but He will be with us whatever season of life we go through. It may be that God works through the many, Jonathan says, or it may be that God works through me and you, just the few. But one thing I know, God will work somehow because He's never been defeated and He's not going to start now. See, I'm okay with uncertainty because the facts are one thing. But the truth is the person called Jesus Christ and he never fails. He's never lost a battle. And I'm okay with uncertainty because I'm going to see a victory, whatever the outcome. The Apostle Paul talks about this and he talks about, he takes it to the ultimate level in 1 Corinthians when he writes, in Romans he writes, nothing will separate us from the love of God. But in 1 Corinthians he writes this, where, O death, is your sting? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where, O oh, grave, is your victory? He writes these words because when you're okay with uncertainty and when you're okay with this might not be the thing, but it'll be the thing that might lead to the thing. When you're okay with this might not work out or this is not what I've asked for. When you're okay with uncertainty, not even death can hold power over you. Sometimes we need to be okay with uncertainty and not let uncertainty stop us moving forward. The second thing is 
We need to be okay with unfavorable odds. Two men against a whole outpost. Two men at a weapon disadvantage. Two men at a terrain disadvantage. Two men who get bold. Two men who get courageous. Two men who have crazy faith because they're going to climb up a cliff to fight at least 20 men in that moment. It reminds me of Peter walking on the water. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. It's just, it's just a bit crazy, isn't it? It's just a bit out there. And it reminds me of Peter. And I, I, love, I love that later Peter writes these words in one of his letters. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. He says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due, due time. And he says, Cast your anxiety on him. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. And I love that it's Peter who does this because it's Peter who walked on the water. But he's not just, but it was Peter's, that story of Peter walk on the water is full of doubt. It's full of uncertainty. It's full of unfavorable odds. I can tell you, if you want to prove this, fill your bath and stand on top of it. You will sink. The odds are massively against you. You know, but Peter got bold and he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Or was Peter doubting? Because Jesus said, when the storm and he's walking past them in that storm, he said, it's me, take courage. And Peter says, if it's you, is he being bold or is he doubting? But the truth that we know is that Peter steps out the boat and he walks on water And in that story, he begins to sink because he notices again the wind and the waves and the circumstances around him. And Jesus rescues him and takes him back to the boat. When Jesus gets back in the boat, I'm not sure whether he's addressing the disciples or he's just addressing Peter, but he says, oh, you have little faith in that moment. You see, we talk about the faith and the boldness of Peter, don't we? Stepping out, walking on water. But what about the faith of Nathaniel, James, John, Matthew and Andrew, the other disciples? You see, because Jesus had said, get into the boat and it'll, I'll meet you on the other side. Maybe they had faith to trust that what Jesus said would happen. Even though they were in the midst of a storm and all the wind was blowing and they were terrified because they see this figure, maybe they had the faith to believe that if Jesus said, we'll get to the other side, we'll get to the other side. Maybe when Jesus and they're terrified because they see him on the water, they see this figure that they think is a ghost. Maybe when they see that and Jesus said, it's me. Maybe they say, it's Jesus. We're okay. Because Jesus says, it's me. Be of good courage. Take courage. Be strong. Be bold. Be of good courage. It's okay. It's me. Maybe they believed it was Jesus in that moment. Peter didn't. He said, if it's you, let me come to you. Maybe they believed his word. You're going to get to the other side. Don't be afraid. So this is my question. When Jesus gets Peter back to the boat and he rebukes him or he rebukes them for their lack of faith, is it because he looked at the wind and waves and began to sink? Is it the lack of faith that, they, that Jesus would do what he said, get them to the other side? Is it the lack of faith that Jesus was who he said he was? It is me. I don't know. It could have been all three. But I can be okay today with unfavorable odds, impossible odds, because Jesus is faithful first to keep his promise and Jesus is who he says he is. When Jesus says, I am with you, he's faithful to be with us. 
When Jesus says, you know, that nothing in heaven and earth is more powerful than me. He is who he says he is. And I can trust that. And, I can, and so unfavorable odds don't stack up against who Jesus is and who he says he is. I'm okay with uncertainty. I'm okay with that. I can be okay with unfavorable odds. And then the final thing is, I'm okay with being an armor bearer. You know, the gold in this story, I think, is the armor bearer. In verse 7, you know, uh, the armor bearer says to Jonathan, do all that you have in mind. Do everything you've got in mind. I am with you, heart and soul. And I wonder, can we get behind somebody else's vision, heart and soul? He didn't say, I'm with you because it's my job. He didn't say, I'm with you because it's my duty. He says, I'm with you, heart and soul. And I believe that's the way we're meant to live. You know, you don't go into a relationship, do you, and you hold back. Because if you hold back in a relationship, that's not going to be a great relationship. But when you go into a relationship, you go in heart and soul. You don't get married and hold back from your spouse. You don't, you don't hold back commitment. You don't hold back stuff in that situation. No, you go in heart and soul. You commit because you feel that this is a person you can trust and you can open the whole of your life to and open the whole of your personality to. You go in heart and soul. What about in our family with our children? As a parent, you don't hold back from your children, do you? You don't hold back from your children and when your children have dreams and when your children have visions, you don't say to your children, well, don't do that and I wouldn't do that. You know, there are times as a parent, as a dad, as a mum, where you want to direct your children and you, want to, you don't want them to go somewhere that's not a fit for them. But when you see a passion within them and a desire within them, you look them in the eye and you say, you can do it, go for it. I'm with you, heart and soul, in those situations. I think ideally too in the workplace, you don't just want to turn up to work for money. Thanks for your enthusiasm. (laughs) You might have the worst boss in the world. I've had terrible bosses. You might have the worst environment at work in the world, but you just don't want to turn up for money. You want to go to a place where you can see that job making a difference, that company making a difference. And you want to say, I'm with you heart and soul. You want to look at your company. I don't know how many people your company employs. Let's say your company employs 10 people. You can rejoice in the fact there's 10 families that are provided for by the work that you do. You can rejoice in that. And you can think, you might not ever say this to your boss, but you can be the best employee because you can say, I am with you, heart and soul. I'm going to do my very best. I've been given these tasks. I've been given this role. I'm going to give it my very best and you can be one of the best employees in that company in that workplace and in church we don't want to just turn up to church because it's the thing we think we should do we want to be in art and soul because we want all that God has for us you know I love this idea Ephesians 5 21 just this idea of submission and there's submission in all of life in in relationships in families in workplace in in church, and it says, submit to one another. It doesn't say submit to Pastor Paul, although that's a good idea, but it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And the whole idea of submission is to get under somebody's mission. And it says submit to one another. Get under. You know, sometimes when we talk about being armor bearers, you know, and uh, I'm with you heart and soul, 
leaders will stand in church and say, you know, I need armor bearers. The leadership of this church need armor bearers. But I'm here to tell you something different today. That is true, but I'm your armor bearer. I am your armor bearer. I'm looking you in the eye today and I am saying, do everything that's in your heart because I am with you heart and soul. If you're in this room today, you might say, I've got this idea for a business. I've got this idea. I'm thinking about this relationship, etc. I am looking you in the eye and saying, under God, do everything that's in your heart. I am with you heart and soul. We've tried to live like that for 33 years. You know, uh, I am with you. And I want to be like Jonathan's armour bearer. It's okay to be an armour bearer. I want to say I'm with you heart and soul. As individuals and as church, I want to do that. You know, some people say, well, I serve Jesus. I don't serve people. I serve Jesus. I don't serve man. But you know, that goes completely against what Jesus said. Because Jesus said, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. And so when you, when I, when we look somebody in the eye, when we decide in our heart, we might not even tell certain people, but we decide in our heart, do what's in your heart. Because I'm with you heart and soul. We are doing for the least of these. When we serve that person, when we get under their mission, when we get behind their mission, when I pray for you, you know, some of you have got businesses. I pray for you. Some of you, some of you in your work situations, we pray for you. We, we want God to do great things in your lives. Your families, we pray for you. I'm getting behind your mission. I'm with you heart and soul because I want God to do everything. I'm being the armor bearer today. You see, an armor bearer creates an atmosphere. It's not an atmosphere of doubt, but it's an atmosphere of faith. The armor bearer did that for Jonathan this day. It's not an atmosphere of fear. It's an atmosphere of courage. Armor bearers say, go for it. They don't say, good luck with that. I'll stand back and watch what happens. No, they say, go for it. I'm with you heart and soul armor bearers don't just say I'll pray for you in a resigned manner and sometimes prayer is the only thing that you and I can do but armor bearer says I'm going to give my best prayers to that I've got friends that are going through cancer right now and in every service 9, 15, 11 and 6 when it comes to that prayer moment I text them in every service I'm praying for you I feel hopeless with my friends I do. I feel hopeless, but I've determined I'm going to give them my best prayers. And I do it in every service and I cry out to God for them. You see, armor bearer is not the person just that carries the bags and carries the weapons. But the armor bearer's job is to tease out everything God has put in the vision, in the vision of somebody's heart, in, the, in, in somebody's life, the vision God has got for them. Our vision as a church is human flourishing. And that means that we want people to live their best life. And that's our vision because we believe there's more in people than we ever think or imagine. I believe there's more in me, there's more in you than we know. I believe we actually that we have got no idea what God has put within our heart. And our job as armour bearers is to tease out all that God has put in your heart and in my heart. Because I think we've got no idea all that's there. And so I'm okay with being an armor bearer. I'm not asking just for armor bearers today. I'm okay with being an armor bearer. It's what we've tried to do for 33 years. 
But let me tell you what an armor bearer is not, and therefore what I'm not and what you're not. An armor bearer is not the complaints department. I'm not that, nor are you. An armor bearer is not the returned goods desk. Well, this didn't work. I prayed this prayer and this didn't happen. No, no, an armor bearer is not the returned goods desk. I'm not that, and neither are you. An armor bearer is the person who says, I'm with you heart and soul. I'm with you at every moment. I'm with you in every circumstances. And I'm going to pull out what God has put within you. I'm going to tease out. I'm going to say to you, do everything that God has put within your heart. I'm going to encourage you to think bigger. I'm going to encourage you to believe for more. I'm going to be okay with uncertainty. I'm going to be okay with unfavorable odds, unfavorable news, unfavorable circumstances. I don't want them. I don't want, I don't want them. I'm not asking for them, but I'm okay with them because I'm an armor bearer and I'm with you heart and soul. I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you heart and soul. I wonder, could you do that for somebody else? I said 33 years ago since that tiny advert was put in the, uh, the Gazette, the Chesterfield Gazette, 33 years since that happened. And since then, I believe that Jeannie and I have chosen this to stand with people, to support people, to encourage people, do everything that's in your heart. We're with you, heart and soul. I think one thing that we can do as a response to this message, even this week, when it comes to prayer and fasting, and we can take a meal, at least one meal for the next seven days, and we can spend that time and pray and say, God, would you tease out everything that you've got for our church in this season? Would you provide for all our needs, God, in this season? Would you take us forward, God, in this season? Could you do that for somebody today? I wonder whose armor bearer are you? And I think I'm okay with being an armor bearer because I believe this with all my heart, that what you do for others, God will do for you. What you do for others, God will do for you. So I'm okay with uncertainty. Uncertainty, I'm okay with that. Jesus is still Jesus. God is still God. He's still on the throne. I believe He'll do what He promised. I believe Jesus is who He says He is. I'm okay with unfavorable odds. What's unfavorable odds with a God, the God of the universe? I'm okay with that. Because even if God didn't send it, God will use it. God will turn it. Turn it for good. He'll turn it for good. Even if He didn't send it, He'll turn it. Somebody needs to hear this today. He'll turn it. I'm okay with being an armor bearer because there's more in people than we know. And we need to tease out and get out of people everything that God has put in. So we're going to close this service right now with a new song. It's called See a Victory. And there's a little refrain in it that says, there's juice on this. That's my new word for the anointing, juice. There's juice on this song. And there's a phrase in this song that says, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Now you don't have to join me, please. You don't have to join me. I'm not asking you to do this because I know you don't like it when I say to you, let's do a whole nother level. But I'm gonna be there. And when we sing that out, you'll feel the juice. You'll feel the power of the Holy Spirit in this song, I'm telling you right now. But when we sing it, I'm gonna be there. You take what the enemy meant for evil 
and you turn it for good. And every time I turn my fingers, I'm prophesying. That's what you do. That's who you are. I'm saying to God, I'm okay with uncertainty. I'm okay with unfavorable odds. And I'm okay with being an armor bearer. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's stand and let's worship together this morning. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.